Hey, before we get started with today's episode, I just want to quickly let you know that if you DM me the word audit on Instagram, that's at Ken Westgar, we'll do a quick 15-minute audit of your launch. And by the end of the audit, you'll know exactly where to put your focus in order to grow and scale your next launch. So like I said, DM me the word audit on Instagram, and I'll talk to you soon. This is the Oh My God, I'm Motion podcast. And on today's episode, I am talking to Rebecca Kiger. We talk about money mindset, limiting beliefs around money, money blocks, all that stuff. But we also talk about abundance and being in flow, what abundance is, and you know what it means to be in a flow. There's a lot of money stories that we have that we're not really aware of. Um, we talk about that. I know I've have, uh, experienced that I have plenty of money blocks, but we need to, you know, start working through them, getting aware of that. And we talk about all this stuff. Um, and it's about just being open to receiving as well. It's not just about giving to others, but, you know, being able to actually receive when someone is wanting to give you something. But before I forget, um, we are soon closing in on 100 episodes of this podcast. And I want you to share your favorite episode of the podcast. And if you tag me, you will be entered into a giveaway, a $100 Amazon gift card giveaway. So make sure you tag me. That's the only way I will know that you shared it. And then on, I think it's October 11th, we will do a little raffle and pick a winner. So all you have to do is basically you can share it on as a post, you can share it in stories, you can share it with reels, all of those it doesn't matter how many episodes you want to share or whatever. Each time you do it, it's an entry. So you can have multiple entries, obviously. And you can also get an extra entry if you decide to write a review on a podcast. Uh, you can just DM me a, the um, review that you did on iTunes or on your iPhone, whatever. You, or Android, sorry, <laughs> or Android. Um, yeah, whatever you decide to do a review. Just DM me and we'll... Make sure that's another entry. So if you want to be a part of this, win a $100 Amazon gift card, share your favorite episode. All right, let's dig into the episode. Have you launched your online course with great success? Or maybe you launched totally tank and you just want to curl up and cry. Well, it really doesn't matter. Hi, my name is Ken Westgar, and I'll help all my course creators and membership site owners creating the most fun and profitable launches without having to go it alone. In this podcast, we talk about all kinds of launches. You'll get tons of valuable insights and fun stories that highlights the dramatic ups, downs, failures, and success that comes from being in launch mode. This is the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. All right. Welcome to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. I'm your host, Ken Wesker. And today I have Rebecca with me. And today we are going to talk about abundance and flow and some money mindset. Um, welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to have you. Uh, we have had somebody else come on the podcast before talk about money mindset and money blocks and all that stuff. But you talk a little bit more about the abundance and the flow, which I find really interesting. Uh, and we did just discuss a little bit about this before we got on how, you know, the money mindset, how important it is for people who are entrepreneurs, who do launches uh, and how that kind of just, yeah, we kind of ruin it for ourselves when we kind of get <laughs> can't get past that <laughs> it's a huge, so? huge block. yes absolutely yeah. so yeah we can't talk about it enough so even if you know that's I have a, a podcast that talks about this and I could just go on for days and days and there's so much <laughs> there there's so much to unpack so yes okay we, I, well, we, we have like 30 okay. to 45 minutes so we, <laughs> we won't be here for days bit. right <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> but uh, before we get into that, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Uh, let us know who you are, who you help, and you know how you help them. Yeah, absolutely. So again, my name is Rebecca Kiger. I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the steel city here. So I am a master mindset and high performance coach, as well as a financial advisor of over a decade. And I'm also the founder of Elevate University. And I use this platform to help sales professionals and entrepreneurs to elevate their sales and align with their purpose and do more soul powered selling instead of, you know, kind of the sleazy old, uh, car salesman kind of deal that we all think of when we think of sales. And so um, that's what I do. And and that's um, who I help and how I help them. We love that. We love the soul, uh, soul sales instead of the sleazy <laughs> car salesman, for sure. <laughs> but I do love that because we, I think people are starting to lean more, you know, towards the heart-centered entrepreneur kind of thing that's going around these days. But it's so good to see that people are actually moving towards that instead of, you know, sticking with the old. It's so true. And, you know, realistically, I think people are understanding that we're being sold to all the time anyway, right? And so ultimately, if you are someone who is that heart-centered entrepreneur and you really truly have a genuine desire to help people in the world, then really what you're doing is you're serving people, right? You're not Mm -hmm. selling to make a sale. This is relationships. You're building relationships. And a lot of the the people that, you know, you and I know in this industry, they're, they're really just genuinely wanting to make an impact on the world. And they're doing that with their work. And so the yeah. only way to do that is through, you know, that that sales process. So um, I think you're absolutely right that that's the direction in which we're going. And I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And money is kind of the byproduct of helping other people. So and with more money, we can obviously help more people and reach more people and have a greater impact. So money is good, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And James Wedmore, who's one of our mentors, always talks about how the transformation is in the transaction and people typically mm-hmm. don't pay attention to things that they don't pay for. And so, you know, if you don't invest into yourself and if you're not, you know, looking at expanding and growing and actually having your kind of skin in the game, right? You're most likely not going to pay as much attention to the things because there's all kinds of free content out there in the world. So you would think that more people would be successful and why aren't mm-hmm. they, right? Because most mm-hmm. of the time we don't value what is free. So true, so true. Um, I know you have a story how you kind of built your way up from basically nothing to where you are today and you have like lots of success, obviously, with the industry that you're in. Um, do you mind sharing us kind of how you gone through from, you know, growing up, I guess, till yeah. where you are today? Absolutely. Yeah. So I grew up from extreme poverty. My mom was a single mom of seven children. So wow, seven. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there were times where literally the only thing that we had was one another, right? And mm-hmm. we grew up with very much so a lack mentality, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, money's the root of all evil. There was always this struggle and how, you know, hard work equals success. And so genuinely always knew from the time that I was young that there was more out there for me, but I grew up in a very, very poor town. It's actually one of the most dangerous cities in the United Mm. States as well. (laughs) Still to this day, I don't live there anymore, but still to this day, my hometown was very, very, um, uh, poverty ridden. And so there wasn't a, a lot of examples of how to get out. But essentially, I knew that that was, you know, something that there was more available for me. And I always sort of sought that out. 
And I actually became a young single mom myself at a young age and didn't have any option in, of going to you know college. I had to get to work right out of high school. And I started in the financial industry as a teller at a bank making you know minimum wage, right? Mm. And so I kind of got my foot in the door. And the moment that I realized that you know, I could absorb and learn from other people and grow and expand my career from within, I just like went to work and I'm like, okay, hard work equals, you know, success. So let Mm -hmm. me just go as hard as I possibly can. And that's kind of where the hamster wheel began, right? It was like just going and going and going and working harder. And to a certain level, I did achieve a lot of success that way. Yeah, I was going to say that. It does work (laughs) to a certain level, but at some point you're going to hit that wall and yeah. And that's exactly what happened, <laughs> you know, at the, at what expense as well. So I had a daughter that I was missing every big event in her life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I had almost no time to spend with her because I was just working and working, trying to provide a life from her, not realizing yeah. that, you know, I was missing out on, on the most important thing with her, which was time. And so my life really changed when I met my mentor. And he kind of came into my life and saw more in me than I saw in myself. And he had a life that I wanted. So I figured, okay, here he is making, you know, lots of money at the time, working way less than I was. And I figured, well, what I'm doing isn't really working, (laughs) right? And so let me follow his lead. And that's really when I recognized that how important your beliefs are and how important the law of attraction is and and being able to truly um, live a life that you design just by simply changing your beliefs and changing Mm -hmm. your perception about the way that things should be. And from that point on, I was, uh, you know, one of the top producing financial advisors every year there on out. And now I am able to actually, um, my mentor is now one of my business partners and we're involved in a business together where I'm still doing financial advising, most specifically for retirees. Uh, but one thing I realized through the years is how much, you know, even younger individuals don't have the proper mindset, don't have the proper beliefs and perceptions and identity around money, which is why, you know, the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor, right? And mm-hmm. I saw that all firsthand. So I decided to, from that point, go into really the online space, helping entrepreneurs, helping sales professionals to develop the identity of the wealthy, right? So that they can manifest their dream life and bring their dream life into reality as well. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like full circle how I ended up here. I love that. And yeah, the whole mindset piece, the limiting beliefs, uh, the identities that we have or that we kind of create for ourselves as we grow up. Um, Yeah, those are such a big hurdles to kind of get over once you kind of get older because you've been doing stuff for like maybe 30, 40 years and you're not even realizing it, but it's unconscious all the time and uh, or subconscious. But yeah, Um, but I would love for kind of let's just start with that and talk about a little bit about limiting beliefs and the identities that we have around money. Yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, most people ask, well, how how do I even get these beliefs? So let's start there. Yeah. You know, the the most important thing to to realize is that we have 
essentially two, two minds, right? We have our conscious mind, which is responsible for, you know, you're listening to this podcast right now. You're, you're, you're maybe doing cleaning or whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening. That's your conscious effort. Your, your focus and attention is there. And then we have our unconscious mind. So our unconscious mind is actually the much more powerful mind that's responsible for about 95% of our actions and behaviors. Uh, as an adult. <laughs> so, mm. you know, if you've ever driven to work and like forgot how you got there, <laughs> you weren't really paying attention, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's your unconscious mind, you know, stepping in. And so ultimately all behavior, again, is when, when it becomes a habit is housed in the unconscious mind. And so ultimately as children, what happens is we actually don't develop a conscious mind or an analytical mind or what you would call a critical faculty until we're about seven or eight years old. So Mm -hmm. specifically from the ages of zero to seven, if you grew up in a maybe um, a poor household or, you know, you were struggling or there was, you know, um, poverty or, or your parents were working really hard to make money, typically we pick up on all of that because we don't have anything in our mind that can say, you know, that can analyze this situation to see whether or not it's true. It's just, we accept it. So that's why they say children like sponges. Mm -hmm. We just accept the things that are going on in our, you know, upbringing as our truth with a capital T, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know that it's beliefs. We just believe that this is the way that the world is because we have no way of knowing otherwise. So when you hear things like it's, you know, it's really hard to make money or, you know, whatever those disempowering beliefs were that you heard as a child, again, you know, the money is the root of all evil or, you know, that rich people are greedy, things like this. When you hear those things as a child, you accept them as your belief. It's kind of like a garden. It's like someone else planted these seeds in your mind and your unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between good or bad beliefs. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a fertile soil. So whatever beliefs are implanted into the ground, right? Whatever seeds are planted, they're just going to grow. It doesn't matter if they're good. doesn't matter if it's what you want. And what happens is, you know, we, we move on into these different phases of life. So from the age of seven to about 14, those are what's called our reinforcement years. So we're walking around and we're just kind of like, all of those beliefs are then being reinforced into our reality. And then from that point on, that's just who we believe that we are. So if you've ever said something like, I'm just not good with money. I'm just mm-hmm. not good with this. I'm just not a morning person. I'm just, we can apply to anything. And, you know, one thing to recognize is like, hey, when did you decide that, right? Because you're the one who decided that at some point, whether it was your belief or someone else's, but that's how we get implanted with and programmed is the term that we use, right, with all of these disempowering negative beliefs. And so it becomes very, very difficult at that point. Now that you've accepted them, all of these disempowering beliefs as your truth, as you mentioned, unless you have the proper modalities and the proper awareness and go through the right process to rewire these things, they will continue to essentially run your entire life <laughs> without you even recognizing that you have the ability to shift them. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've noticed, and I don't know if this is something you notice as well, but uh, when my kids, they watch YouTube and they see these YouTube's people all over the place. And I noticed that they are really preoccupied with, you know, having Lamborghinis, having lots of money, uh, having big houses, fancy stuff, all of that based on what they see from these YouTubers, do you think that's 
I don't want to say good or bad, but is it good or bad <laughs> in <laughs> terms of, wa- you know, the money mindset they're developing? Well, I think that ultimately it, it, it probably isn't a bad thing to be seeing other individuals achieving that level of success. That is one thing that the inf- living in this information age. It might be just has- me, you know. My right. old, my old mindset is, you know, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really depends on the energy that you have behind when you see it. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, if you see it and it inspires you to move forward and go after your dreams and goals, then I would say it's a proactive or beneficial thing. If you see it and you immediately become jealous or there's negative emotion around it, then I would say that it's disempowering. And the reason that I say that is when we become jealous of the things that other people have, what we're quite literally doing is telling our unconscious mind that we don't want that thing. And here's what I mean by that. So our, our unconscious mind's language is not English, right? Our unconscious mind's language is imagery and emotion. And so when we, that's why, you know, visualization is so powerful, right? That's why, you know, these, they talk about the, the different emotional vibrational scale and things like that, because it's in, extremely important to recognize that, you know, our unconscious mind's language is imagery and emotion. So if we see something, that we desire, and then we immediately have a negative emotional response to that thing. Again, what we're telling our unconscious mind is that thing equals negative emotions, and it will literally push away those things in your life. So again, it really just depends on the energy that you have behind it. Mm -hmm. And becoming aware of that is the number one step, right? So really just kind of seeing what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And what are the automatic thoughts that come into my mind when I see people achieving this level of success? Does that make mm. sense? Oh, yeah. It totally makes sense. And it, it totally makes sense that this is, has something to do with me and not my kids, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big revelations <Right>. there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that is definitely interesting that, you know, it's um, just because I've seen that and I – you know, make that mean something else than what they do. And they probably just see it as this is something cool. Oh, this is awesome. Look at them. That's cool. And that's it. They don't really have anything more behind that than that. They're not jealous of it or anything like that. At least that's yeah, not, not that way I see it. Absolutely. And, and children don't have, that's why like, even when you were a child, if you remember back to when you were a child, it's like you had this big imagination and you thought you could be anything that you wanted to be in the world and you really truly believe it. And then what happens is life, including our parents, right? Teachers, people who are, um, you know, just caregivers or influential individuals in our lives un you know, they're not doing it to harm you, but they kind of, have you ever heard someone say, well, do you, you just need to be more realistic, right? Like mm-hmm. you just need to be more realistic. You can't, it's not possible for you to go play professional sports. It's not possible. You know, the, the, the likelihood of you being successful here is really low. Like maybe you should go and try to do this, right? So the world kind of beats us down, even though we have these massive goals as children, and so all that I do with my students and my clients is just get them back to a place where we kind of rip out all of those limiting beliefs at the root. It's like a weed, right? We've got to get it out at the root and then now go and plant back on fertile soil, go kind of back to where you were, believing and really 
in having total congruency that you actually can achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. And so it's this beautiful, you know, kind of remembering who you used to be. But I don't know if that resonates with you, but you're, you know, I'm sure your children like, yeah, they just believe that they can do anything, right? Mm -hmm. And how often, and I know I have a 15 year old too. I'm sure I've done this before I recognize the damage that it can do, but telling her, oh yeah, you know, you need to be more realistic. You need to go to work, get a job, you know, and that's all programming. So we have to even become very aware as adults and parents as to how we're speaking to our children as to not create this level of, you know, unconscious, what we call baggage mm-hmm. as, you know, in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we probably can't go really deep on this, but, you know, how do we even start unpacking all those limiting be- beliefs and start working on those and getting past those money blocks? Yeah, no, I can. Absolutely. So one of the ways to do that is the first step is to become aware of it, mm-hmm. right? We cannot shift something that we are not aware of. And so there's a quote by Carl Jung, and, and it says, until we bring the unconscious to the conscious, it will run our lives and we will call it fate. Mm-hmm. So until you bring what's going on and these autopilot unconscious programs to the surface, you will just continue to believe that it's who you are, right? You'll just say, I'm just not good at these things. You'll just continue to have that identity. And I teach this inside of my programs, but I'll go into this process. So the first thing is, you know, again, becoming aware, Um, really just become, bring to the awareness, what are some of those I am statements that you're using? Okay. So if you're saying things like, I'm just a shy person. I'm not good on camera. I'm not good in front of people. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not a morning person. Whatever it is that you're saying after I am, after the words I am, is quite literally shaping your reality and your future. Okay. Because now you're just reinforcing all of that to your unconscious mind. And then your unconscious mind will never act in, you know, opposite of what you believe about yourself. So, you know, Tony Robbins uses this example, but if someone says, you know, if you were to ask someone, did you smoke a cigarette today? And they say no, and you ask them why, most likely they'd say, because I am not a smoker. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I don't do what smokers do, right? But if they say yes, you would say, okay, why? Because I'm a smoker. I do what smokers do. And so the the deepest root of all of our decisions is our unconscious identity. So really figuring out like, what is it that you're saying about yourself at an I am level? Those are going to be the most powerful ones to unpack. And there's going to be deeper levels to that. But I would start there. What are some of the disempowering things that you're saying? And then what are some of the beliefs that you picked up on as a child that maybe you're repeating? often. So, you know, for me, it was my mom always used to say, we always have just enough money, like God always provides just enough. And it was true. Because, you know, we would literally be like, at the end of our ropes, and it's like the end of the month, and somebody would, I don't know, you know, there would be an envelope at the doorstep that would be $500 in it. And that was enough to pay, you know, all of our bills for the month, like just crazy, miraculous things would happen. But it was because her belief was that we'd always always have just enough. And so I continue to repeat that in my adulthood, where, you know, when I started working and started making money, it didn't matter how much I made, I would find a way to spend it so that I would just have enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our beliefs quite literally become our reality. It's our beliefs that shape our reality and not the other way around. So really the key is becoming aware of what it is that you're saying 
and how it's repeating and actually literally predicting your future is basically what it is because your words have a lot of power. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that affected how you spent your money as well? Because then you you would spend money at the point that it was just you know enough to live on to the next paycheck. Absolutely. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's like, so thank God that I was, um, you know, working and had the wherewithal to invest on autopilot. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have had anything saved, you know, mm -hmm. for those first maybe five years or so of my career until I realized this. So an example of this would play out as like lottery winners. You know, you notice how most lottery winners, the, you know, the statistic is astounding. It's like some 80 to 90% of lottery winners are actually in a worse off position than when they hit the lottery, you know, on average three years later, my dad being one wow. of them. So my dad hit the lottery and was, is quite in a worse position than he was before he ever hit. And why is that? So the reality is that the reason it happens that way is because the unconscious identity. And this also has to do with our beliefs and whether or not we're worthy enough, we're deserving enough of success. So say you have a core limiting belief that you are not deserving and we can get these beliefs in different ways. Um, but ultimately, let's say that it's a very common one. So I'll bring this one up. So let's say that you have a core belief that you are undeserving of success, wealth, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, now your capacity to receive is set to a financial thermostat is what it's called. So your financial thermostat is kind of like a thermostat in your home where you would set it to a certain you know, temperature. And then no matter if it's hot outside or cold outside, it's always going to stay at that temperature. The same mm -hmm. thing happens in our financial world. So typically we all have something called a financial thermostat and we earn in some sort of range. If you look back at like the last five years or so of your life, you probably were in that range, whatever that range is for you. Everyone's is different. So, you know, and lottery winners say their financial thermostat is set at Forty to sixty thousand dollars a year. Okay, and now all of a sudden they had one year where they made an extra million dollars from the lottery, or ten million dollars. It doesn't matter how much. What mm -hmm. happens is their financial thermostat kicks in. It's like, oh my god, I'm not comfortable here. I'm not, and innately, I don't believe that I'm worthy of this anyway, and I'm definitely not deserving of it because this came out of nowhere. I didn't work for this, so I've got to push it away. And we do it unconsciously. It's not like we're walking around saying, oh, my God, I can't wait to get rid of all this $10 million, <laughs> right? It doesn't happen on the surface like that. But that's why lottery winners end up spending all of their money because typically they have these core limiting beliefs that were never addressed. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's a good idea to get somebody, a financial advisor, to help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That too. That too. That too. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. But let's move into, you know, the abundance and the flow. What is what is abundance? Let's start with that. Yeah, absolutely. So abundance, my my belief is that, you know, abundance is really just an overflow of the things that you desire in your life. So it doesn't have to just be money. Most of the time it is money. But whenever so I have a signature program that I help people essentially, you know, go through this process of becoming aware of the limiting beliefs that they have, rewiring them, let the, letting them go, and then normalizing and stabilizing their new level of success. And what's really interesting is a lot of the students that go through this, this program, they end up receiving abundance in way more areas of their life because than just money. So they start mm -hmm. to get that money, but they also have opened up their capacity to receive more in other areas too 
because they've got gotten rid of the limiting beliefs and the identity that they're not deserving of what their desires. They're not deserving of, you know, the things that they want in their life or they're unworthy. And so when we get rid of those core limiting beliefs, you can see how, you know, if you have a belief that you're undeserving, you're going to push away the right partner. You're going to push away the right abundance. You're going to push away the right opportunities, right? And so ultimately, this abundance is really just an overflow of the things that you want in your life. Mm-hmm. And how do we get more of it? <laughs> more, how do we become more abundant, I guess? Yeah. So the, the real, the first thing that I start with, so I have a process that I teach. It's called the ALIGN method. And the ALIGN method is an acronym. So A starts for, starts, it it talks about how we have to bring, we have to start with the awareness piece. So Mm -hmm. A is for becoming aware of the things that are holding you back. Okay. And then L is, it stands for letting go of those things. So there's a process that I teach. And essentially, again, it's that kind of figuring out the root cause of whatever this is and pulling it out, right? Getting to that root and pulling it out. Because we have to make room for something new. So if you want to bring new beliefs into your life that you are abundant, you are able to attract whatever kind of money that you want in your life, you cannot shove a new belief on top of the old one. It's not going to work, right? It's not going to disappear. What's that? Yeah, it's not going to disappear. It's not going to disappear. It's, I always use this analogy where, you know, if you were buying a new couch for your living room, you're not going to bring a new couch in and just plop it right on top of the old one. (laughs) You have to get rid of it. You have to get rid of the old in order to bring in the new. So we have to use these proper modalities that are going to allow us to release those limiting beliefs, release those negative emotions and get rid of that junk and that baggage, right? So that we can bring in the new. And so the continuing on with the align method, the I stands for identifying your the high, the highest version of you. So your highest version of you, the most successful version of you, what does that look like? So that entails goal setting and, you know, and really getting clear about what it is that you want, because really, most people don't know what they want, they know what they don't want, but they don't mm-hmm. know what they want. So I help them really get clear about that highest version of you, what are they doing on a daily basis? How are they they acting? How are they showing up in the world? Right. And then G stands for getting into inspired action. So it's not just moving to move and getting on that hamster wheel of life. It's how can I figure out how to access my intuition so that I can get into that inspired action to be able to create the life that I want. It's about doing the 20% activities that are those needle moving activities that are going to move you forward instead of focusing on the 80% and procrastinating because you really don't feel worthy of it, right? Mm -hmm. And then N stands for normalizing and stabilizing this new level of success. So there is a, a point where, you know, each level of success that you reach in your life from a financial standpoint, you've got to normalize it. You've got to stabilize it. Otherwise, your nervous system will go into overdrive and push it away. So that's that's really what I teach inside of my programs is to, you know, go from that awareness piece all the way to normalizing and stabilizing this new version of you. And I would, I don't know, uh, is it, is the letting go part maybe the one that's the toughest? I mean, I would say so. We st- <laughs> it's not easy to let go of things that you've been telling yourself for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe yeah, more. you know, it's funny. So one thing I will say is even, even saying that it's not easy to let go is a limiting belief. (laughs) You got me. So that's why we spend the first, so this eight week intensive program. That's why we spend the first four weeks on those Mm -hmm. first two, 
bringing the awareness to it. We've got to create awareness to all of these things. We also bring awareness to your money story. What are the things that you've been telling yourself, right? Your relationship around money, the way you feel about money, that kind of stuff. And then we go into the letting go. And yes, so the first four weeks are literally those two things, the first half of the program. And then we get into the rest of it because you're absolutely right. I mean, that does take the most amount of time. I wouldn't say it's the hardest because I don't want to place that, you know, limitation out there, but it is the, you, you've got to, this is, this work isn't for the week, put it that mm. way. Like if you aren't ready to go into some of these things and it can be an emotional ride because you are diving into things that maybe you haven't thought about or brought up in decades, as you mentioned. So mm. yes, I would say it's the longest period that we spend inside of that um, because it takes somebody else holding up a mirror for you to figure it out because we cannot see ourselves, right? That's why mirrors exist. So you have to be able to have somebody asking you the questions and kind of guiding you through that process, right? So that you can even become aware of it because we don't, we can't see our own blind spots. That's Mm -hmm. why we need each other. Yeah. It's kind of like what we talked about before we got on that we have gone through the money mindset uh, program that James Wilmore has. And I got to I think it was day nine where you kind of have to rewrite some of your limiting beliefs and all that stuff. And that's kind of where I stopped. And obviously that has something to do with me not really believing in those reframes probably or finding it really hard to just kind of, yeah, reframe it, I guess, because this is stuff that I've been having to deal with for ages. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know what? I went through that 30 days to abundance, I believe it's called, or 30 mm-hmm. days to, I forget what exactly what it's called. And it's a great, it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a life transforming program in and of itself. And I went through that. And really, when I learned how to go through what's called this mental and emotional release process, timeline therapy, things like that, for me, that, that was a very powerful modality that literally that's the one I mentioned where we kind of go in at the root because like you said, Mm. you can reframe and you can do all of that. And even what I will say is sometimes bringing the awareness and reframing is enough. Other times it's not, you have to go through these deeper kind of this, this deeper journey so that you can really get to the root because sometimes that reframing isn't enough. So I will say for some people that that could be enough for you, just even recognizing that you're doing these things. Um, For others, you need deeper work. It depends on the level of programming. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, these are beliefs, again, that are passed down from generations, you know, epigenetics, things like that. So depending on how deep the root is, you may need to explore other modalities for sure. Yeah. And when you start looking at the root problems, it's really bizarre what kind of things comes up. I mean, <laughs> some of the things are like, what? Did I really? Huh, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. At least um, really you know, I highly recommend people kind of diving into those uh, money stories that they have because there might be some stuff that you're really not aware of, but you're actually telling yourself all the time. Yeah, you know, and it's crazy how we end up with these things. So some of those core limiting beliefs of like, I am unworthy, I'm undeserving, you know, things like that. It's, it's funny how they, it's not funny, but it's, it's interesting how they, um, you know, come to be. It might just be where, you know, I had one client I was working with who had a younger brother who was born when she was like two and, seeing she remembered back because I do this, you know, regressional therapy, and she remembered back to when she was two years old, and she was able to see like her parents paying more attention to her younger brother. And that was enough. 
for her to mm-hmm. say, well, I guess I'm not worthy of their love. Therefore, I'm not worthy. So it's so interesting how these beliefs come about. It doesn't have to be from money trauma or that you were broke or anything like that. My story was that way, but not everyone's is. I've seen people have these money blocks stemming from all kinds of different scenarios. So they're not all the same, put it that way. Right. Uh, What are some of the most common ones you've seen though? Yeah. So um, definitely, again, we're going to use those I am statements. So the the biggest ones that I've seen are, you know, I am unworthy, Mm -hmm. I am undeserving, and I'm not good enough. Those are really the three core limiting beliefs that I see the most. Um, And again, you know, if you have that belief, it's unconscious. Okay. So again, maybe you're not right now thinking, maybe you are, but maybe you're not really thinking that you have it. But as you dive deeper into some of the, these things, you, you may recognize that that's something that's going on behind the scenes. But if you feel like you have this unconscious belief that I am not good enough, then nothing you ever do will be good enough. The people in your life won't be good enough. You know, you always be kind of chasing that next thing. That's how it manifests in your life. Again, people don't typically walk walk around saying, I don't have my goals because I don't believe I'm good enough. That's not really how it works because it's unconscious. It manifests in these different ways where you feel like you can't rest because if you rest, you know, you're not doing anything and therefore, you know, you're not deserving of the money flow that comes into your life. Or, you know, if you're not good enough, you're always going to be procrastinating until you get your work to be 100% perfect before you put it out there in the world. You know, Mm -hmm. it's those kinds of things. That's actually how it manifests in your life. Not walking around saying, well, I guess I'm not worthy. No, that's really not how it shows up. (laughs) Yeah, we should just get better at patting ourselves on the back and saying good job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Look how far you've come, right? And and when you have that belief that you're not good enough, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I came that far, but I'm still not where I want to be. And I remember having that. I had to let that one go too. Mm -hmm. You are right where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. It's just reminding yourself and looking back. And sometimes that can really help to see, okay, this is how far I've actually come in my life. And wow, most people wouldn't have been able to get through that. And here I am not only surviving, but thriving. So Mm. really take a look at the accomplishments that you made. That's a really good exercise to do for sure. True. Um, But going back to abundance, um, the way I see it is abundance is about kind of giving. It's about, it's not, yeah, for me, it's more about giving to others, even if you don't have that much to give. Mm. Um, but I guess it's also about be able to receive from other people as well. It's both. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up because, you know, by giving you are training and teaching your unconscious mind that there is more than enough. So one thing I will say that my mom always did with us as children, even though there were times where we had absolutely no money, like I, I have stories upon stories about that, but my mom always made sure that we would, if we saw a homeless person or like we would volunteer, we would give back to the community. She always made sure we knew that there were people who were worse off than us. So Mm -hmm. I had that mentality of giving, like you said. And honestly, before I had the money to do it, I decided to begin giving on a consistent basis. And I will say that that absolutely teaches the unconscious mind that there is more than enough to go around. And so, you know, automating that giving is really important too, because you're now making a statement to the universe that there's more than enough and there's enough to go around. There's no pie in the sky. 
And I have, I have it better than a lot of people. That's kind of what you're presupposing when you give. So I love that. And with the receiving piece though, we have to get rid of that, you know, that belief that we're unworthy to receive because as it relates to like a way that you might be able to recognize that you have this belief is if it's hard for you to receive gifts, if it's hard for you to receive compliments, if you're Mm -hmm. like a lot of women have this problem too, and I'm sure that that men do as well. But like, if you say, Oh my God, you know, I used to have this happen where, you know, people would say, Oh my God, you're so pretty or you're so this or you're so that. And I'd be like, Oh no, I'm not. You are (laughs) (laughs) right. I couldn't even accept the compliment because I didn't feel worthy of that compliment. So that's kind of some ways, or if you feel very uncomfortable receiving even gifts for like your birthday and, you know, holidays and things, that's what you're telling your unconscious mind by not accepting those gifts, not accepting those compliments is that you don't feel worthy of that abundance. And especially as entrepreneurs, if we want to work less and make more, how can you expect, it's like you're giving the universe conflicting information. You're saying you want abundance, but when it comes to you, you're, you're pushing it away. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Would you say that, um, you know, when people ask you, Oh, what do you want for your birthday or something like that? And you just kind of like, ah, you know, I don't really need anything like that. <laughs> That's kind of the wrong way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you know that person's going to buy you something anyway, tell mm-hmm. them what you want. Because they want to bless you and you're taking away their blessing sometimes, right? I know now I used to do that and turn turn gifts away all the time. And now I notice it in other people and it it hurts my feelings because I'll be mm. like, I want to bless you. That's part of my gift. That's part of my abundance is to be able to give back to others and you're taking that from me. Isn't that interesting? We never think mm-hmm. about it that way. We just think, oh, you know, I don't want this. But what if somebody really wants to give you a gift and that's part of their blessing and their desire in the world and now you're taking that from them as well as repelling the things that are meant for you? Mm. Yeah, that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Right, right. Um, what is this about the flow? How does that correlate with the abundance? Um, yeah. Yeah. So flow is really a state of kind of what it sounds like, right? Flow is where your life is just flowing, right? Where there's abundance coming into your life and you are doing the things that you desire to do in the world. So most people are, you know, again, on that hamster wheel of life. Most people that I've come into contact with being in the financial world as long as I have. And so, you know, they're on this hamster wheel where they're doing things because they feel like they have to, they're living unfulfilled lives, maybe not even making the kind of money that they want to make, you know? And so flow really happens when you enter into something called your zone of excellence. And that is where, you know, that's tied to your purpose in the world. And mm-hmm. it feels very aligned. It feels very natural to be doing these things. So kind of like this podcast, right? This is your element. This is where you're, you're thriving in the world. You love to have these conversations and helping other people. This is flow for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel stressful. It feels like a natural kind of thing that you would just naturally be doing in the world, right? You're spreading your message. So that's flow. And then ultimately, the more we step into flow, the more, again, that we're telling the universe, hey, we are doing what it is that we were called here on this planet to do. And so that opens up abundance flow into our lives. When we're trying to force things, 
we're not in flow. And so that's ultimately most of the time constricting the abundance that we want in our lives. It's kind of counterintuitive. A lot of people think if they step into flow, they step into their zone of excellence or they quit their job and move into becoming an entrepreneur because that's where they're being called, that somehow the universe isn't going to show up for them. And it's like, no, if you're being led to go and do something and you feel like your soul is being called to be an entrepreneur and to help other individuals in this world, you don't think the universe is going to show up for you if you respond, right? And I just remember having those feelings as well. So flow is really when things are just working according to plan and you're taking that inspired action that it just feels natural, doesn't feel forced. And then that abundance flow begins to come into your life as a result of stepping into what you're called to do. Mm. And uh, people probably link this to the same as, you know, being in alignment or, you know, listening to your intuition and stuff like that. 100%. That's why I call it the align method, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's all that it is. It's becoming aligned with who it is that you were called here to be. And a lot of times that goes back to what were your passions when you were a child? You know, all of those things that you thought you could do back then, right? It's just remembering that you're still innately worthy of all of that. Mm -hmm. Even though life has beat you down, you are still innately worthy. You came here for a purpose to create something in this world. And it's just remembering that you're innately worthy and you're innately abundant. Like you were born, that was your birthright to be abundant. And stepping into that flow state is going to help to open that up for you. Hmm. And I don't know, um, for me, that has definitely been a journey past couple of years, kind of stepping into, you know, following my intuition, being more aligned, taking that aligned action, all that stuff. how would you say you kind of get started with just tapping into that and getting into the flow? Yeah. So it's a great question. You know, flow and our intuition is essentially always there. That might look different for some people, Mm -hmm. um, but you know that you have an intuition. (laughs) Every one of us does, right? So that might look like a gut instinct for you. That might look like an intuitive nudge. That might like just be this nagging feeling that, won't go away. Whatever that looks like for you. And again, it's going to be different based on who you are. It might be an inner voice or an inner knowing. Ultimately, following that and starting, you can start with something small, right? So if you have a nudge, literally nowadays, if I'm driving down the street and I'm being, I'm being nudged to just turn right, and that wasn't even where I was going. I'm going to turn right. <laughs> like it's, it's, you get to the point where you just do what it is that your intuition says, but start with something small where, you know, if, and just kind of even maybe ask your intuition and say, okay, if it's something like, what should I have for dinner tonight? Or what am I craving right now? And just see what comes up for you. Practice it because it's like a muscle. So it's just like any muscle. You've got to sort of practice building it up so that you really know that you can trust yourself because ultimately that's another core limiting belief that comes up that people don't innately trust themselves because a lot of times, you know, they went to go and do things as children and then their parents said no or, you know, that's not the right way to do it or your teacher told you don't do it that way. That's wrong. So we stop trusting ourselves at some point too. And so this is a way to rebuild that trust so that when it comes to bigger decisions in your life, you will now just be able to trust that inner knowing each and every time. And you will find that when you do, it is like 
you know, those uncanny moments in your life where it's like, it could have never happened any other way than what it did. And it was absolutely meant to happen that way. And I questioned it, and I, but I went for it anyway. It's those kinds of things that will happen all the time when you really begin to follow your intuition. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds to me like, you know, being a parent, you really have to watch your words and what you're saying, what you're doing to your kids. It's, <sighs> it's almost scary when we kind of start talking about stuff like this. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. When I learned all of this, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a lot of unwinding to do, right, for my daughter. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, recognize that you don't know what you don't know. And when you know better, begin to do better. So mm -hmm. you can only begin to do better when you know better. And there is a level of beauty and vulnerability in going to your children. I literally went to my daughter and said to her, I wasn't doing this right. Like I messed up because that allows them permission to then be vulnerable as well with you. And that builds that level of trust and say, you know what? I used to, you know, I, I didn't know how big of a deal it was for me to be building you up with all of these things and share your experience, share that, you know, you learned what you learned from your parents who learned it from their parents who learned it from theirs. So it's okay to be vulnerable and to tell them, I, I didn't recognize that this is what I was doing. Can you share with me your thoughts and, you know, what you perceive about abundance and, you know, whatever the topic is that you want to have a conversation with them about. But my daughter and I literally yesterday, we spent two, she's 15, you know, and I, they say like teenagers don't spend a lot of, you know, whatever, they're always in the rooms and they're doing things. We spent two and a half hours talking about like, all of these things, right? Manifestation and like the universe and how, you know, life began and like just all of these things, because I wanted to share that space with her and she trusts mm. me to be able to go on these tangents. And so because I've been able to rebuild that, it wasn't always that way, but because I was vulnerable and shared with her that I didn't, I basically didn't know what the heck I was doing for the first few years of your life. I'm sorry about that. Can we like restart and then actually show up as the version of me that I wish I would have been? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And I have almost the same experience with my daughter as well. She's just 10, but she's now just starting, you know, writing a happy self journal. So basically you take, uh -huh. have real focus on positive things. So you take your top three things and write those down I instead of that. focusing on the negative things. And we can, and I'm thinking, our kids are so blessed because we can start this journey or this process with them at a such an early age versus yes. us. You know, we've been growing up our entire life without this. We yes. just started working with uh, 40 years of baggage with, for, at least in my case. And that's a lot to kind of unwrap and dig up and try to fix. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. Our children are so blessed. And, you know, this is what it means to break these generational curses. You know, even like you've heard the term maybe before about how the sins of one generation are passed down to the next, right? It's because of that programming. It's because what you don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so this is what it means to break the generational cycles and to be able to stand up and say, no, you know what, this stops with me. And the beauty of that is to be that empowered to know that you're changing the trajectory of the entire lineage of your family. And mm -hmm. I get to see that in my family as well with all of my siblings and their children, 
they're all successful. Like statistically, we should be, one of us should be in jail. One should be on drugs, you know, like it should be a lot different than it is. And because I stood up and said, this ends with me, this ends now, they all began to follow that. And Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful to be able to see that. So the power that you have as a result of being able to break those chains is so amazing. And it's like, wow, it just feels really good to be able to do that. And one thing I will say is, when you're beginning this journey of starting to figure out what it is that caused you to be the way that you are, be very careful not to blame, right? Because that's what I did as well. I would be like, why is it that I was born into this family? Why would my parents do this? Why? And when you're pointing the finger at other people, how many fingers are pointing back at you, right? Mm. The reality is you are the only one who has agency and ownership in your own life. You cannot change. If you were driving a car, you cannot direct where the car is going from the passenger seat or the, or the back seat. You've got to be in the driver's seat. The only place you can make change in your life is from that driver's seat. So instead of blaming other people who were dealing with their own programming and their own baggage and their own garbage, it's just important to say, okay, no, you know, not why me? It's like, hey, despite what happened to me, I'm going to create a new paradigm for the rest of the lineage of my family. I'm going to be the one to break these chains. And that's a powerful place to be. Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful spot to end it for today. Um, I think that was, yeah, that's like top notch. Really good. Really good. good. Um, where can people find out, you know, a little bit more about you, reach out to you, connect with you on the social media, internet? Yeah, absolutely. So I spend most of my time on Instagram. So I'm at Rebecca. Rebecca is spelled a little differently. So you have to put in the show notes. It's R-E-B-E-K-A-H. So Rebecca underscore my last name, Kiger. So I spend most of my time on there. Um, and my Money Mindset Mastery program is actually launching uh, again in a couple months here. So you'll definitely have to get on the wait list and, and even just come and talk to me, DM me. I love connecting with other like minds. I love connecting with other entrepreneurs. Um, I know that many of you guys are launching, right? So I'd love to support you and be in your containers and, and really just connect with others because I really think that there's power in that. And, and I love making those friendships and, and all of those relationships. Perfect. We'll link up everything in the show notes. Um, it's no problem. People have something to click on. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for sharing this time with me and, you know, sharing your knowledge and your stories. Uh, you know, it's amazing. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you again for having me, Ken. No problem. And thank you for everybody who's been listening in today. And we'll catch up again next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Oh My God, I'm Launching podcast. Now, if you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you left a review over on iTunes. And secondly, head on over to Instagram and connect with me at Ken Westgar. That's K-E-N-W-E-S-T-G-A-A-R-D. And drop me a DM and tell me all about your launch. And I'll catch you in the next episode.